and good evening. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and some of our other uh, platforms that we do Bible study broadcasting on. <laughs> it's great to welcome you to another Sunshine USA uh, podcast. And this is me, Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. Uh, well, I was looking at my notes a little bit here, such as they are, and it turns out we've only got two more chapters left remaining in the Book of Romans. And then we will be finished with the Book of Romans. And uh, that means that um, if we cover two chapters tonight like we did last night, uh, it means that uh, we could conceivably finish the Book of Romans tonight. But what I suspect is that we will do only one chapter in Romans tonight, and then we will do the last chapter in Romans tomorrow night, which will be Romans chapter 16, and then we will also have a time of review for tomorrow night as well. And so that ought to be pretty good. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's get out our Bibles right now and turn in our Bibles to uh, Romans chapter number 15. This is actually the next to last chapter in the book of Romans. And here the subtitle is Accepting One Another. You know, Accepting One Another. And I think you're going to find that this has a lot to do with the ministry of encouragement. Uh, which is, of course, a very big and important ministry that is greatly needed in the church today. If there's ever been a time when the church needed more encouragement, it's today. If there's ever been a time when Christians individually needed more encouragement, then it's today. Um, and so we should have a desire as Christians to encourage each other and to look out for each other because it's so necessary in this day and time in which we live. Paul says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the shortcomings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, we need to bear with the shortcomings of the weak. Now that's W-E-A-K, by the way. Uh, in other words, when someone is weaker than you, then you ought to work with that person and encourage that person and hopefully help build that person up in the faith. And to me, that's an exciting ministry. I'd like to think that's one of our ministries here at Sunshine USA. One of the ways that we encourage and build up Christians is by getting them into the Word of God because we believe and we know that by getting Christians into the Word of God, we make them stronger and not weaker. And we encourage them. And this is one of the big founding, ministry, founding purposes of this ministry is to encourage one another as Christians by building them up in their knowledge of the Word of God. 
and um, but I'm afraid so many times what we do instead as Christians, we tend to mock and make fun of those who are weak. And that's not really a good thing to do. Uh, we tend to look down on people that don't believe exactly as we believe spiritually. Um, I was talking to someone today, and I, obviously I'm not going to mention their name. I'm not going to even give you any clues about who they are or where they are. But I was talking to someone today by phone. And in talking to this person by phone, um, I realized that this person was a person actually spiritually weaker than I am. And uh, rather than look upon that person as an enemy, I, I saw this as an opportunity to build him up in the faith. Amen. But Paul says, We who were strong ought to bear with the shortcomings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, I hope that one of the things you got as a result of our last broadcast is the fact that Christ gives us hope. And, you know, uh, you can go a long way on hope. A prisoner, for example, who gets life in prison instead of the death sentence, they have hope because they know as long as they're alive, there's always hope. They could win an appeal. The laws could be changed. Their sentence could be reduced. But that is something they can hope for only if they remain alive. And so hope is a wonderful thing. <clears throat> a person might be seriously ill, and they're having a hard time dealing with that illness. But if they have the hope that one day they're going to recover, then all of a sudden they are filled with hope. The hope that they can indeed and in fact get better and not succumb to that particular illness. And it's ultimately through the scriptures that you and I find hope. It is through the scriptures that you and I find the hope that Jesus Christ has to offer. Now, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you harmony with one another in Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he talks about being in harmony with one another. He talks about having one mind with one another, one voice. In other words, he's talking here about the beauty of unity. And I tell you, I don't know of anyone that God hates more than those who sow discord among the brethren. 
someone that's always trying to make trouble in the church someone that's always trying to create divisions in the church let me tell you if you're such a person God is not happy with your behavior because you and I as fellow Christians as fellow church members we need to work toward the goal of peace in the church um, you may find that in your church you're not in agreement with all the decisions that have been made and that's understandable you know if I am pastor of a church for example I realize it's probably not very realistic to think that everybody is always going to be a hundred percent pleased with the decisions that I make as pastor but yet as a church we all need to agree with one another look beyond our differences and seek unity where possible now I'm not saying that you have unity at all costs and I'm not suggesting that you abandon your basic core beliefs but where possible be at unity with the people who make up the membership of your church and in a worst case scenario if you find that you cannot be in agreement with what's going on at your church then make arrangements to quietly leave and go somewhere else don't try to raise a sting don't try to take a lot of people with you as you leave because God loves peacemakers and he loves those who strive for the purpose of unity next Paul goes on to the subject of Christ the servant of Jews and Gentiles now you know back in Paul's day many Jews felt like they were superior to Gentile believers but Paul wants to make it very clear in his ministry that is simply not the case because if you are a believer in Christ Christ loves you just as much as he loves any other believer now I've said many times on this program I believe that God has even still a special plan for Israel God is not finished with Israel yet you know I told you a few moments ago about this person I talked to uh, recently on the phone and they disagreed with me on a particular topic well guess what this is the topic they disagreed with me about they took the position that Israel was so disobedient that they basically send away their chance and now God's gonna have nothing to do with them ever again and I said fella I want you to know that I very respectfully disagree with you I very respectfully disagree with you now we were still respectful to each other and we're still friends but we, we do disagree with each other on that one issue Paul says in verse 7 accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring glory to God for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised 
on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. Now, one of the things that Paul is wanting to do here, he's wanting the Jews to be aware of the fact that God has not abandoned his promises to Abraham. You'll remember back in Genesis chapter 12, God made some very great promises to Abraham. Among other things, he said, Abraham, through your seed, all the world is going to be blessed. Through your seed is going to come a special nation. And through that nation, Christ the Messiah is going to come. And so, God wants the Jewish people to believe that God has not abandoned them. God still loves them. God still cares about them. And he will not forsake his promise to Abraham. But, he says, this is so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. You see, we Gentiles, we know that it's because of God's mercy that we're now included in the plan. As it is written, Paul says, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. As it is written, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and extol him, all your, all you peoples. And once more, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear, one who will arise to rule over the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles will put their hope. Now, we as believers, of course, and especially those of us who are Gentile believers, we put our hope in Jesus Christ. We put our great hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that ultimately the Lord will not abandon us. The Lord will not forget about us. Because after all, he is our great hope. Then God goes on to say, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul takes on the subject of himself being a minister to the Gentiles. And in many versions of the Bible, he describes himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. And because of this thing, Paul views his own ministry as an apostle different from that of the other apostles like Peter, James, and John. Now, unlike some television Bible teachers today, I don't think there was any real rift at all between Peter, John, James, and Paul. Because I think ultimately everybody realized in the end that Paul had a very special and unique ministry. And by the way, it wasn't exclusively to the Gentiles because we know that in his lifetime, 
Paul preached and taught in many synagogues. And there were no doubt many Jews who came to Christ as a result of Paul's ministry. But more than anything else, Paul considered himself to be a very special apostle to the Gentiles. Paul says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, brimming with knowledge, and able to instruct one another. However, I have written you a bold reminder on some points, because of the grace God has given me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become a more acceptable offering, acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, I exalt in Christ Jesus. In my service to God, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obedience by the word and deed and by the power and signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyconium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So you see here Paul is putting great emphasis on the fact that he is a special apostle to um, the Gentiles. He has a special love and desire in his heart to reach Gentile people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul is very much aware of the fact that Christ ultimately died on the cross just as much for the Gentile as he ever did for the Jew. Now the Jew does have the distinction of being the first to receive God's promises and to receive God's message, but in the end, this message would also be made available to those of us who were Gentiles. Notice he says here, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now, I maintain God has called me to preach the whole gospel, not just part of it, not just bits and pieces of it, but he's called me to preach, in effect, the whole counsel of God. And that is what I must do. I must preach the whole counsel of God. Not just bits and pieces of it. I mean, there are some ministers out there, especially on radio and television. They have one or two themes, and that's what they focus their whole ministry on. Week after week, month after month, year after year. And I'm not saying that God didn't tell him to do that, but I think in my particular case, God made it very clear to me that he wants me to preach the entire Bible. Not just bits and pieces of it, but the entire Bible. The entire Word of God. After all, the whole Bible, all 66 books, is the Word of God. Not just a few books. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I meet a growing number of people who consider only those books that were written by Paul 
to be the real Bible. I don't agree with that. I agree that there are 66 books in the Bible, not just the books that Paul wrote. Amen. Paul goes on to say, In this way I've aspired to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. I have aspired to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Now, you know, sometimes it's a lot easier to preach in an area that has heard the gospel over and over again. Many evangelists will tell you, even today, some of their biggest crowds are right here in the southeastern United States. Here in the southeastern United States, we have probably heard the gospel more than the people of any other part of the country. And yet, we find there is something exciting about going to a new town, a new city, a new village, a new country, where they have hardly ever heard of the gospel of Christ. And then you have the opportunity to be among the first people to tell those people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, boy, I tell you, I think that is so exciting. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. He says, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written. Now, he talks about building a work for Christ, not on somebody else's foundation, but starting a number of works himself from scratch. You know, uh, most young men who graduate from the seminary, God's going to call you to a church that several other people before you have pastored. And so one of your jobs as a pastor will be to continue on the work of the previous pastors in making Christ known to the people of that community and that congregation. In other words, you were building on somebody else's foundation. But Paul says here, I have been used of the Lord to start churches in parts of the world where up until now they have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, rather it is written, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And that is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. Now, you see, Paul knew the church there in Rome was well established. But Paul knew that it was at times more important for him to plant churches where there was no church than to have all the excitement of preaching the gospel where Christ was already known. Now, of course, I think God also revealed to Paul that Rome is probably where his ministry would end. And, of course, we know historically that to be the case. Paul was ultimately uh, put to death in Rome by beheading. 
Personally, I can't think of a more horrible way to die. And it was probably an excruciatingly painful way to die. And yet, that's how Paul died, just outside of Rome. And he died for the crime, you might say, of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I think the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, he knew that since that's where Paul's ministry would end, that would probably be the most appropriate time for him to go to Rome. But up until that time, he would be used of the Lord to bring the gospel to places where before it had never gone. As I've indicated before, there is some evidence that Paul may have gone as far west as Spain and possibly as far north as either France or maybe, maybe even England. But that is mere speculation, at least on my part, especially the part about England. But we do know that he did have aspirations to go clearly as far west as Spain. Now that's one of those areas, by the way, where if you disagree with me, uh, that's perfectly all right. I consider that a pretty minor issue. Amen? Amen. But it, it makes sense, though, because that's how Paul indirectly was responsible in the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to America. And that is a very mind-boggling thing to think about. Next, Paul talks about his travel plans. Here Paul says, But now there are no further opportunities for me in these regions. In other words, these regions where he's planted churches where they did not exist before, Paul says, you know, there's no further opportunities for me there. It just reminds us that Paul preached to much of the known world of his day. There's not too many parts of the world that Paul did not preach to. Amen? Amen. So he says, but now that there are no further opportunities for me in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to visit you, I hope to see you on my way to Spain. Now here is where we know that Paul had a desire to come to Rome on his way to Spain, and that indeed and in fact Paul had a desire to carry the gospel of Christ as far west as Spain. Now, I want you to know there is a division of opinion here. Some Bible scholars believe, yes, Paul wanted to go to Spain, but because of his arrest in Rome, he never got to go. But you'll recall, Paul as a prisoner in Rome had a lot of freedom that may have included uh, furloughs, which gave him at least a brief window of opportunity to indeed and in fact carry the gospel as far west as Spain. And then he says, and after I have enjoyed your company for a while, you can equip me for my journey. Now this is perhaps a veiled way of saying, I might need your financial help <laughs> to go to Spain. And we know that 
it would probably <laughs> take money today to go to Spain from Rome just like it did back in Paul's days. So it's not hard for us to understand that he would have needed the support of mature, strong Christians in Rome to finance a voyage or a trip to Spain where he would be carrying the gospel once again into an area where Christ was not readily known. So you'll notice there was a lot of organized thought in Paul's head regarding his travel plans. He says, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. So even though he's just outlined his plan to go from Rome to Spain, but he says, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to serve the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles had shared in their spiritual blessings, they are obligated to minister to them with material blessings. Now, here Paul is making a very important point that bears us thinking about today. And that is a ministry from which you benefit. A ministry from which you hear the gospel. A ministry that teaches you the word of God. This is a ministry you need to financially support. To the extent that you can. Now, I don't think God expects you to go overboard. I, I was uh, <laughs> talking today to a lady that's unemployed. And she's been unemployed now for at least a year, maybe a little over a year. And the only income she's had up until now is her weekly unemployment check and now she found out this week that she's probably not getting any more unemployment checks and yet I think last week she gave something like a thousand dollars to a particular Christian ministry and she wanted me to tell her whether or not I thought she did the right thing and I you know I told her I said now you know here's the thing I said I'm not going to tell you whether or not you did the right thing. I said, if God told you to give that ministry $1,000, I'm not going to say, no, you shouldn't do it. But I do think God expects you to be wise and careful in your giving. I will say one thing. I think, first of all, your giving belongs first to the local church. The local church, where you are a member, they need your financial support. One thing I will never do is ask people to support this ministry financially instead of supporting their local church. I will never ask anybody to give money to this ministry instead of giving money to the local church. 
because you see the local church is deserving first and foremost of the money that you have to give to the Lord's work. Now, once you have done that, once you have done that, then it's perfectly all right to go ahead and give money to other ministries, such as even this one even. But one of the things you guys know for sure, I spend precious little time asking for money. You will never see me or hear me asking for money on a grand scale. Once in a while I'll mention it, but that's about it. I simply depend on others to provide the financial support that this ministry needs. Amen? Amen. Now, by the way, if you listen to this broadcast all the way to the end, uh, it will lead you to a spot where you can make an automated donation to this ministry. And that will be helpful if the Lord lays it on your heart to do that. So, he says, After I have completed this service and have safely delivered this bounty to them, now, notice he uses the word bounty there. So, apparently this was a sizable offering. I will set off to Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, and that by God's will I will come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The peace of God be with you all. Amen. Now, of course, there's a big thing here that Paul doesn't talk about. Paul knew that by going to Jerusalem there was a huge possibility that he would be arrested and prosecuted, which he was. This would result ultimately in Paul coming into Rome as a prisoner in chains and handcuffs. This is not exactly the way that Paul wanted to go to Rome. But in a way it was good because at least this way it didn't cost Paul any money to go to Rome. <laughs> you might say the, the government of Rome paid for that trip even though he probably should have gotten a refund because of the shipwreck on Malta. <laughs> so that's a very interesting situation. But like I say, when Paul got to Rome, Rome realized that there was not a strong unified case against Paul. And had it not been for the insistence of the Jews, they probably wouldn't have prosecuted him at all. Because of that, Paul had a lot of liberty while in Rome. And that may have resulted in him having a furlough 
with enough of a window to travel as far west and, le and at least briefly introduce the people of Spain to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that, by the way, will bring us to the end of Romans chapter 15. And like I say, I'm not going to endeavor to do Romans chapter 16 on this particular podcast. I'll wait until the next podcast to do that. Mainly because there's a lot of interesting stuff that I want to cover there in that particular chapter. And I just don't think we really have enough time remaining on this podcast to do that justice. So that will carry us on the next podcast to the very last chapter in the book of Romans. And where will our study go from there? Well, I'm still trusting the Lord on that one. We'll just have to take a wait-and-see attitude. Now, I don't know about you, between our study of the book of Acts and our study of Romans, man, I tell you, it has just blessed my socks off. <laughs> Amen. And by the way, I rarely wear socks. It's been a long time since I wore socks. In fact, to be honest with you, because of my swollen feet, it's been a long time, period, since I last wore either socks or shoes. I think it's been probably more like two years. That's just how swollen my feet are. But pray for me that God will continue uh, to keep his hand upon me. As long as I am teaching the Bible and preaching the gospel here on the internet, I feel like I am doing the work that God has very uniquely put me on this earth to do. And now we're going to go to the Lord in a time of prayer. One of the things I like about prayer is the fact that it gives us an opportunity to go directly to God in prayer. We don't have to go through a battery of secretaries. We don't have to go through a multiple choice electronic digital menu. We can go directly into the presence of God through prayer. And we can let God know what our needs are. And let me tell you something, folks. Nobody has a need too big for God to take care of. Nobody has a problem too small or too insignificant to be brought to God's attention. God can do it all. I thank God for that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now as I pray for each one of you. Dear Lord, I just want to pray for the people that are listening to this podcast right now. I pray that you will bless them. I pray, Lord, that you will take care of their needs. Lord, I pray that this ministry has made a good spiritual contribution to them. That as a result of this ministry, perhaps they have come to know Christ as Savior. And from there they have gone on to learn more and more about what the Word of God actually teaches. And now, Lord, I pray that we will go ahead before the next podcast and read Romans chapter 16, the last chapter in Romans to see what you have to say to us. And Lord, we want to thank you in advance 
for all the wonderful things that you do for us. Because, God, so many times you bless us and you do so many good things to us and we forget to come back and give you thanks and praise and glory for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, by the way, if you have any Bible study questions or if you have any prayer requests, let me remind you all you have to do is shoot me an email. I have two email addresses. You can really write to me at whatever email address is easiest for you to remember. One email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, I'll get your email, and I would love to hear from you. Until then, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.